Harper Audio presents Paul Stanley. This is Roger Freet, executive editor at Harper One. Paul Stanley is the frontman, rhythm guitarist, and founding member of KISS, one of the most successful rock bands of all time. His memoir, Face the Music, is on sale April 8th. It's full of personal revelations and gritty war stories about the highs and lows, both inside and outside of the band. Here's a brief excerpt. Prologue. Adelaide, Australia, March 3rd, 2013. I sit down and look in the mirror, staring for a moment into the eyes peering out at me. The mirror is surrounded by high-watt theater-style bulbs, and on the table in front of the brightly lit mirror is a small, black makeup case. We hit the stage in about three hours, which means it's time for the ritual that has defined my professional life for 40 years. First, I wipe my face with an astringent to close the pores. Then I grab a container of Clown White, a thick, cream-based makeup. I dip my fingers into the tub of white goo and start applying it all over my face, leaving some space open around my right eye, where the rough outline of the star will be. There was a time when this makeup was a mask, hiding the face of a kid whose life up to then had been lonely and miserable. I was born with no right ear. I'm deaf on that side, too, and the most searing early memories I have are of other kids calling me Stanley the One-Eared Monster. It was often kids I didn't even know, but they knew me, the kid with a stump for an ear. When I was out among people, I felt naked. I was painfully aware of being constantly scrutinized, and when I came home, my family was too dysfunctional to provide any kind of support. Once the white is on, I take the pointed end of a beautician's comb, one with a metal point, and sketch the outline of the star freehand around my right eye. It leaves a line through the white makeup. Then, with a Q-tip, I clean up the inside of the star. I also clean up the shape of my lips. The character taking shape on my face originally came about as a defense mechanism to cover up who I really was. For many years, when I first put this makeup on, I had a sense of another person coming out, the insecure, incomplete kid with all the doubts and all the internal conflicts suddenly got painted away, and that other guy came out. The guy I had created to show everybody that they should have been nicer to me, that they should have been my friend, that I was someone special. I created a guy who would get the girl. People I'd known earlier in life were astonished by my success with Kiss, and I understand why. They never knew what was going on inside me. They never knew why I was the way I was what my aspirations were. They never knew any of that. To them, I was just a fuck-up or a freak, or a monster. Next, I get up and go into another room. There's usually a bathroom adjoining the dressing rooms. I hold my breath and powder my entire face with white powder. This fixes the white to my face and allows me to sweat through it during the show. At this point, I can touch the white and it doesn't come off on my finger. I learned this part of the process by trial and error. Early on, I would be blinded by the makeup running into my eyes. As a young kid, I used to dream that when I got older, I would become a masked crime fighter. I wanted to be the Lone Ranger. I wanted to be Zorro. I wanted to be the guy up on a hill on a horse with a mask on. That vision I saw in movies and on television. This lonely kid wanted to do that, and this lonely kid ended up doing that. I made my own reality. The character I created, the Star Child, would go up on stage and be that guy, the superhero, as opposed to the person I really was. I reveled in being that guy. 
While in L.A. recording Face the Music, Paul sat down to answer a few questions. He discusses writing Face the Music, narrating the audiobook, how he came to be a musician, other artistic pursuits, following your passion, and Kiss's upcoming induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So without further ado, here's Paul Stanley. For years, I had refused to have anything to do with an autobiography. George Orwell once said, the autobiography is the most outrageous form of fiction. And he was right. I was embarrassed by most of the books I saw by some of my contemporaries. Most of them are nothing more than a love letter to the people who wrote them. And also, knowing some of the inside stuff that I do, it's a lot of fiction. I didn't see any purpose in adding to the pile of garbage. Then I had an epiphany or a revelation. I realized that perhaps I could write something that would inspire other people. Um, there's a lot of people in the world who tell you what you can't accomplish. Those are usually the people who failed. I'm somebody who came out on top. Everybody gets dealt cards. Nobody gets to choose the cards that they're dealt, and we have to play them. What it's all about is how you play your cards. I want to be there to cheer people on. I also wanted to make sure that my children understood what it took for me to succeed, that it wasn't always easy. And as they grew up, perhaps it would be an inspiration to them too. Once it came time to explore the idea of the spoken word book, I was asked whether I wanted to have somebody else read it because it's quite a, a labor. It's labor in intensive, it's time intensive. But when I thought about somebody reading my words and telling my story, it just didn't add up. No matter what amount of time it was going to take, I wanted to see this through to the end. I had taken it this far. It was my baby. It had to be in my voice. Would I want to do it again? Not for your book. I think when we're young, we don't know the word impossible, and we haven't been told how the deck is stacked against us. What happened for me was when I first heard music, it was like a, um, a religious experience. I couldn't articulate it, but when I first heard classical music, when I heard Beethoven, when I heard Schubert, Schumann, Sibelius, uh, Mozart, Brahms, Bach, on and on, it just mesmerized me. And from there, when I started hearing rock and roll, it hooked me in another way. The glories of rock and roll, the stories that were told, this fantastic life of teenagers was something that I found so captivating that it was really something that I wanted to emulate and reach for. Music is not my blood, it's my oxygen, it's all of me. Phantom of the Opera was a turning point for me. When I first saw it in 1988 in London, I was stunned. I saw it in the West End, and much like when I first saw the Beatles, it touched a nerve in me, uh, something that I can't quite explain, but sometimes things don't need explanation. We should listen to that voice inside of us. The voice inside me said, you can do this. I didn't know why, but somehow I knew that I could touch that same nerve. I certainly had no training in theater, nor did I have any training on a guitar when I first heard the Beatles, but something inside me said, you can do this. I didn't understand my connection to the Phantom of the Opera. It took a long time, but that journey and those experiences certainly drew something out of me that I had held inside. I really can't find a way to define myself by one particular um, hobby or love that I have or something that I spend time pursuing. Um, I'd like to think of myself as the sum of all those parts. I define myself by the challenges I take on and how I experience them 
and what I do with them, how I implement them. I really had no idea about doing theater. Phantom of the Opera changed that for me. I came to painting late in life, and yet it resonated so much with me that at this point in my life, I can't imagine life without it. I'm one of those people that believes that for every mountain you climb, it gives you the ability to see the mountain next to it, and that's the next one I want to climb. I would never encourage my children to be musicians. I would encourage my children to find their passion. I would encourage everyone to find their passion. That is the key to success. Passion isn't only the key to success, it's the key to dealing with failure. Passion is the most important thing that we can have in our lives, and we all need to search for that one, or if we're lucky, all the facets of our lives that we will approach with passion. I'm not here to tell my children what they should be. I'm only here to help them to be who they should be. I think our fans have come to know that what they should expect from us at any given time is moving forward. Being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame means much more to our fans than it does to us. For them, it's a sign of validation, uh, which they crave, and understandably so. For us, it means nothing. We've survived this long with the voices of the masses, the millions who love what we do. That is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, not a self-appointed board who decides according to their own criteria what is or isn't rock and roll. We've been rock and roll for 40 years. They just joined in. That was Paul Stanley talking about his new book, Face the Music, available April 8th. Thank you for listening.